Studies show that men are more comfortable opening up to women than they are to fellow men. Does that surprise you? My name is Kamna and men love talking to me. And I love talking to them. Every week I bring together two amazing men from around the world with different backgrounds to talk about topics that really matter. We may not be politically correct, we'll probably swear, but I promise we will be real. Welcome to Three's Company with Kamna. Because when it comes to male talk, you need a pair. All right. Welcome to Three's Company with Kamna. And we are talking about a topic that is obviously very close to my heart because I am a woman and I'm raising one myself. But we're talking to these men who have the great fortune of raising young girls into women. So please welcome Eric from Oakland and John from Palo Alto. John has an eight-year-old and an 11-year-old girl, and Eric has a 16-year-old. So yes, they're very tired and they're very frightened. I, <laughs> I just hope they don't bust into the room while we're doing it. I threatened her not to come up. So first of all, guys, thank you for being on the show. So let me ask you that then. What do you think is the most important thing that girls, that girls need to know or need to have in 2020? Look, for me, given what's been going on and the obvious headlines, I just really wanted to make sure she understood, you know, bringing home is that life can be unfair uh, at times and as as bad as things can be. And with this COVID and for for us in particular with, you know, Breonna Taylor and all the police killings and whatnot, that it's important that she's resilient and strong and you know, and cognizant of what's going on and the underlying issues that, you know, in, in particular as relates to Black Lives Matter, what, what that all means. And the first thing I did was to let her know that as much as she's suffering, quote unquote, right, through COVID and, you know, we, at the end of the day, we have a nice home with, uh, within which to live and we have more food than we can eat uh, and we're healthy. Despite that, there's so many people out there who are hurting. And so, um, I just, you know, really wanted to drive that point home to her. I, I took her actually took took her to a to a rally in a march and explained to her while we were marching that almost exactly 30 years ago to that day, I was doing the same thing marching because uh, as a result of uh, what happened with Rodney King back in the day, and you know, as much as things are considerably better, there's a lot that's the same. So. Yeah, and I, I do want to ask you a question, but we'll let John speak now, and I think it'll it'll, it'll apply to both of you. John, uh, John, to you, what 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 do girls need to know or have in 2020? I mean, I really like a lot of the things that Eric said. The point about resiliency, you know, for me, I think I'm a little luckier in that eight and eleven, they still kind of live in a world of innocence. They uh, aren't really plugged into the headlines, so I don't have to explain me too. I don't necessarily have to explain Black Lives Matters because they're not seeing it, they're not asking the questions. It's not to say I shouldn't, but for me, given how young they are, it doesn't matter if it's 2020 or, or 1995, I think some of the messages are, are still the same. You know, I, I want them to know that nothing is beyond the reach, you know, especially where they are in elementary school right now. I want them to understand that boys are overconfident and girls tend to be less so and that they shouldn't let this shape the reality. They should understand boys are full of shit. And I think there's no one better to tell them that than their old man. He's full of shit, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, I was full of shit at that age, and Kyle right, will course. tell you I probably still am. Now you're, now you're better at concealing it. You use bigger words. <laughs> <laughs> but so actually, so that is the question that I wanted to go to is, 
the the trade-off between keeping them as daddy's little girl and protecting versus holding up holding up a light to what's going on because it is hard to hide if you can read it's hard to hide i mean that that's the fascinating part uh you know i started feeding the first one a a steady diet of star wars at the age of four uh, because I figured if she was down with Star Wars, it would stave off teen pregnancy. She 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 got a fairly decent dose of of you know action and violence on TV at a young age. Whereas with the second one, knowing it's my last, yeah, I find myself subconsciously slipping into these patterns where I want to keep treating her like a four year old because I don't I don't want her to grow up. To be honest, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy. Uh, I raised I raised the first one to be an old soul. And yeah, I have to fight that tendency to treat the second one like a baby because she's uh, she's got to mature and she's got to lose some of that innocence. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I get that and certainly felt that way prior to becoming a single parent. Uh, and now as a single parent, I, I it's the opposite for me. Now I feel like I have to accelerate her independence and accelerate her being okay, lifting things and fixing things. So I, I I don't do it in a jerky kind of way, but when it's time to carry something up or down the stairs, I'm, you know, I make sure she does it herself. And, uh, and I just give her those little, you know, the, the small little things, but make sure that I really just try to make sure that she can feed herself without me or take care of anything in, in, in her own independent way. And she'll ask for help. And I'm, of course, I'm, I'm there to do that and catch her if she falls, but I, like the opposite of how I was when I, when my wife was around, I, I, now I've accelerated that growing up part of, of, uh, of, of this phase. And Eric, you obviously, your daughter had the experience of grief, uh, which, you know, very few children, very few people experience when you lost your wife. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I, I mean, look, and they were, you know, my wife had her MBA as I did and had a, an amazing professional career and decided that when we had our daughter, she would stay home, which was fantastic. And it took her a few years to get comfortable with that, actually. But but once she did, she embraced it and loved it. And, and as a result, she and my daughter were very, very, very close. Uh, and so now in her absence now, you know, I, I, I it's on me to make sure that she kind of grows up fast and sees some of the, the harder things in life. Uh, I feel much, I feel privileged um, given that story. For me, it's a question of, you know, how quickly do you kind of pierce the veil of innocence um, and start explaining some of these things? Because, you know, the more, the more you talk about systemic injustice in the world, if you do it too young, do you, do you crush their worldview? Do you scare them? You want to make them resilient, but, but you also want them to enjoy that innocence while it lasts. And when is enough enough? Should I be doing more? And that's the tough balancing act on my side. I was raised by a very, by a father who had a, a big role in my life. That feeling of you can do whatever and you should do whatever, I, I feel like for a lot of girls comes from their dad. Whether they're going to, whether you need to, to draw a more conservative line or not, for some reason, even though moms more often are at home and spend more time, and yes, very often girls will look at their mom and say, my mom worked or didn't work and that influenced me. For some reason, the, the dad's outlook on the world seems to imprint directly onto the child. Let me, let me give you a little bit of research background on it. There is, there is a theory that how your mother cares for you helps you to understand how you can nourish yourself, how you can nurture yourself. But you're the first, assuming this is a biological child, your first relationship outside of the mother, which is part of the same system, the same body, is your dad. 
So how you engage with your dad and how your dad engages with you is basically the template that you use to engage with the rest of the world. What do you That's think? wonderfully sexist of you. Is it though? <laughs> I, I hear you. And I think there's some truth in it. I think, um, you know, back to my point about little boys are full of shit and, and some of the big ones too. I think there's a real risk, you know, in school every day of, of boys telling girls they're not good enough. They can't play sports. They can't do this. They can't do that. So I think having a father that, that is a, a counter to that, um, and provides the, the opposite perspective, I think, is valuable. But, you know, in my case, my wife is a leader. She's led very large organizations in very visible ways that my kids have been a part of. I don't think the, the hypothesis you're putting forward applies to me all that well, because she's actually a better role model of a leader and a woman who can thrive and overcome than, than, than many. Um, so it probably dwarfs me. No, so I would push back on that because that's what she does outside. But what she does inside is what they see as well. So there are many, many women in the workplace who go home and then put down their laptops and do all the dishes and get the kids to bed and, you know, that have the lion's share of the of the home. And that's what they see as well. And yes. that's more traditional structure that is held up by both the man, the man and the woman, assuming this is a, you know, a, a, a heterosexual single family all, you know, all the, all the normative stuff that we're talking about. So it's not just that the woman has to work. It's that both the man and the woman have to have to subscribe to a more non-traditional format. And, and I was going to talk about this a little later, but but gender gender stereotype busting is is a huge thing for me as a dad. Is that why you're wearing red? <laughs> no, it, it, it brings my eyes out. Wait, Connor, is that red or pink? I don't know. I'm it makes gonna... my eyes pop, doesn't it? It's PMS red. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer fuck me red, but okay. Sorry. So what, so Eric, what do you think about that? Uh, I think about that special relationship that daughters seem to have with their dads that just see, it really seems to be ubiquitous. And I, I, I rarely hear that that relationship is off, but more, more often than not hear about the relationship with their mom was, was, uh, was trying or was troubled or was, you know, or not as strong or we're going through whatever we're going through right now. I, um, uh, in my case, my, you know, my daughter saw me go to work every day and travel for work. And, uh, and I talked about work uh, with her and I made sure she was, I didn't, you know, I didn't try to make it sound like it was too difficult to understand or that it was, uh, something that wasn't for her, I tried to include her in on that those things. So I, without question, that's impacted her, and you know, and it's made her you know be more vocal about some of those things with her friends. But but you know, her, she and her mom were so close, so very close, and she just admired her mom for all the things that she did. But I think I reinforced with her, with my daughter, that you're, and especially now that she's gone, I, you know, how smart her mom was and how, how successful she was at work. And she had such a great career. And then she became an entrepreneur. And, and in addition to all that, she handled everything at home. So she really had two jobs. And I talk about, I don't know how that's going to play itself out in the end. I, I just don't know. But I do feel, though, that more times than not, I've heard friends of mine who've had troubled relationships with moms and, and fairy tale relationships with their dads. Well, so in that case, let me ask you this. How do you feel about, because John, you mentioned, you know, the boys making them feel like shit. Mean girl syndrome. Oh. Or girls turn on girls. I mean, Eric, you older. She might have been through this already. I think, for John, for your kids, it's probably coming. I'm just crossing my fingers and hope we skip over that. 
Yeah, no, good luck. No. You know, if you're lucky enough to be in a private school with small cohorts where they're, you know, the teachers are talking a lot about empathy and mindfulness and keeping an eye on the children, I think it might be muted. Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, maybe I got it wrong. My daughter, I mean, look, I'm, I, I, she went to an all-girls uh, school, now goes to an independent school, Head Royce, and, you know, just kind of high-performing kind of school. And there was an, actually a couple of incidents that happened with the same girl who my daughter had gone to school with, grammar school, she went to school with her, and then, and then starting again in high school. And, and she, my daughter introduced that girl, who she was reunited with after middle school, to some of her middle school friends, and this girl excluded my daughter the connector from from you know from their activities uh and it it was it was the first kind of bit of me you know feeling pain for my daughter even though she she didn't seemingly didn't notice it or certainly didn't bother her much yeah i i had to figure out whether or not i was going to broach the issue with the with the mother who who i know well um and i initially stood back and said, you know what, let her just go through this pain and let her figure it out and she'll learn from it and, you know, it'll suck, but she'll, you know, it, she'll come out stronger on the other end. And <laughs> that was quick lived because I was so pissed. I was, <laughs> I actually, I called the mom and I'm like, you know, what is this? And so, yeah, it's there and it's, and it's horrible. This is Three's Company with Kamna and we're talking to John and Eric about raising daughters. We've already gotten pretty deep talking about life lessons that their little girls must have in 2020. Join us for more. My girlfriends, my friends, uh, female friends who I mentioned it, uh, I mentioned it to them. They all said, yeah, they laughed at me and said, just get ready. It's, this is not- <laughs> I have a funny story about how when my, my daughter was four, she somehow became obsessed. You know how girls always choose like one girl, like she's my best friend. Yeah. I don't know why they do that. So anyway, so this one picked the mean girl, the four-year-old mean girl in school. And and the funny thing is this chick was also the shortest kid in, in class, but had like a serious Napoleon complex and just got off on being really mean to my daughter. Like, you know, she would walk in with her, you know, with the cello and say, hi. And that one would like, you know, bang her on the shoulder and walk through. And my husband is quite civilized generally. And he'd be like, man, that girl is a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that's the first time I've ever seen um like my husband just be like, I'm gonna take down this little girl. But that's yeah. that's, you know, that's your natural instinct, right? As a father to protect your daughter. So yeah. I, I was just gonna say in you know, in all seriousness, I've tried diffusing this early on. I, I do have this one saying with both my kids, which I've drilled into them, which is I've I've said, look, there are only two things that matter in life, that you have a good heart and a good mind. And they just took that as like, you know, annoying dad stuff and then when uh, my oldest was 10, she's like, why do you keep saying that? And I said, because you know what? Like, the exterior doesn't matter, but you're going to reach a point where someone's going to make fun of the clothes you wear. Someone's going to make fun of your nose. And so, you know, I've tried instilling them from a very early age that aesthetics, you know, outward appearance, clothing, that none of that matters. It, it's probably for not, but hopefully some of that can stick with them. So I have a pet peeve about this because... Obviously, I, I, I subscribe to it. I would like to believe that, you know, people value and judge you on what's inside. But the reality is, particularly for girls, 
a lot of it, a lot of it is about body image and how they look. And, you know, and, and, and Zoom actually uh, exacerbated this for a lot of kids because suddenly your face is front and center. I don't know if the message should be it doesn't matter because the reality is for the, for the next, whatever, 70 years of their lives, they're going to be told that it does. I don't know how to combat that. I'm just throwing it out there. As, as I think the idea is learning to really value what you have as opposed to beauty doesn't matter. I think it's more about, hey, but my your hair color is beautiful and your skin color is beautiful and your eye color is beautiful. I don't know. I'm, I'm navigating this myself. I'm not denying that they're beautiful. I'm, I'm just saying that, that you don't judge people by the way they look. I try not to praise them for nice shirt. I love the way your hair looks. I mean, one, it feels superficial, but two, I don't, I don't want to reinforce that because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. And I think for all the backward steps we've taken over the last several years as a society, I do have to say that I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with um, some of the decreased sexualization and objectification I see in the media. My, my favorite Athleta cal, uh, catalog is not filled with um, real thin white woman anymore. You like my reading list or are you happy with your Athleta catalogs? No, I'm good with my athletic catalogs. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm still pissed off by the magazines in the checkout aisle at the food store. You know, Shape magazine. And yeah, I usually put a Newsweek in front of them. But, but I think we are making really good progress as a society, at least on the media side, in somewhat reducing the objectification. Uh, and I, I hope that continues. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I, as, as a woman, I can say that there is, there's definitely progress. Is it happening fast enough? No. 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 But here we are. Eric, what do you think? Uh, I don't disagree. I think that things are better. I, still, I think that it's, it's important to instill in your kids and in particular our daughters that they are you know, great and smart and confident and those other things. But I think it's going to be, I was going to say hard, but impossible to get around the fact that boys are going to be boys and then the mean girls are going to be mean girls and they're going to say, you know, like you were just saying, suggesting that your clothes look funny or you know, you're in particular for my daughter, her hair is so different than the rest of the girl's hair that, you know, it be it, it becomes an issue. Or well, I remember, you know, when she she's danced for, you know, all of her life and, you know, and when the the the, the teacher told her to go out and get skin tone shoes and tights, well, you know what, that you know, it's hard to get yeah. if you're a dark brown girl. So I you know, so those those things that are seemingly superficial or about beauty or about their clothes is it's just it's going to be a reality and i think to your point you just try to make sure you know she realizes or they realize that it's not not the the end all or be all it's just one aspect of it and um, i and i just try to instill confidence in her around those things so now you guys are both in tech and you know it's the it's the career du jour Right. It's where all, you know, every, all the kids are coding. Yay, STEM. So there, there's a really good chance that all three of your girls might want to go into tech, which is still very male dominated. What would you say to prepare them? And, you know, whatever the industry is, whether it's tech, whether it's finance, you know, most of these industries are still very male dominated. What would you tell them to really prepare them for success? in those spaces? I mean, John, I think you hit it earlier when you said the boys just have an overabundance of confidence around these issues. And, and I see it on, the, on a regular basis when I hear, when, when, when people pitch me. The biggest thing is what we call, and this is gonna be a little offensive 
to John, sorry, and derogatory, but whatever. You, you can give me back later. I'm from New York. I have thick skin. Um, you know, we call it white boy confidence, right? Yeah. And I mean, they come in and they can have the shittiest product or, or company and they just are so pounding their chest about how phenomenal and great it is. And not only that, I'm, you know, we're raising $3 million at some ridiculous valuation because we're amazing. And then women will come in and they're, you know, they have a phenomenal product and a phenomenal team and they might not ask for any money or they might ask for a much smaller amount. And it's just, it's just apparent circumstances. So my, my fix is uh, to just reiterate or reinforce to her and my daughter that she's bright and she can do all this stuff. Yeah, I, you know, give her stories about me and what I've, you know, what I've gone through and what I've had to go, go through in order to get to where I am. And, uh, and it's possible. And it's not that it, you know, people are going to make things sound a lot harder than they actually are. And oftentimes it's, you know, it's the language, but you can do it and, you know, so on and so forth. So I just try to re- you know, reinforce those kinds of things with her that she's, you know, just her, that, that confidence and uh, yeah. strong, smart, independent, hardworking she is and she can do it kind of thing. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't agree more with that. But I, I do want to take one small issue with your, your, your overtly racial comment. I think, I think cracker confidence is better because you get the alliteration with the hard C. Right, right. So, so try and do, do me a favor. Test that one out in the office tomorrow and let me know how it goes. Never. <laughs> Only with Kamna. I got to go register crackerconfidence.com right now. I love everything that Eric just said. You know, the, the thing I would add to it is, is yeah, there's the, the, the leaning in, you know, the, the old trope of, of guys will apply for the job that, you know, they'll grow into, whereas yeah, yeah. women want to prove that they can absolutely do it before they put up for promotion. I, 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 I'm with you 100% on that. The other one, and this is one I, I have such a hard time reinforcing, is I spend a lot of time at work making space for women in meetings to get their points across. And it's, it's usually just men stepping on them and men being dominant in conversations. So my kids are at this age where they don't say excuse me and they interrupt. And, and my knee-jerk reaction is to say, like, you have to say, excuse me, you have to politely insert yourself into the conversation, and it kills me. Because I'll be honest, like, the least of my worries is if my kid interrupts conversations and speaks when a thought comes into her head. I know you want my permission on how to raise your children, but you should accept <laughs> the politeness. So that, they love, you know, I, I honestly believe that the pendulum has to swing a little bit the other way because it's so skewed at this point so i mean who gives a fuck if you're you're being impolite or you're being called aggressive or you're being called bossy go in there and do what you need to do that's not a message girls get enough they're still being told to raise their hands and cross their legs they're still being told that no i'm, I'm with you i'm with you so you guys i have to tell you are, are extremely thoughtful i don't think it, I, mean, I don't know if it's a generation thing or you know, where you, you know, your backgrounds and stuff. Wait, like what do you mean a generation thing? Old? Is that what you're saying? No, no, I meant, so I was going to say that my parents, our parents, certainly, I don't think we're as thoughtful about parenting. Like right. I said, we were by a dad who genuinely believed, he had two daughters and he genuinely believed we could do whatever the hell we wanted. But I don't think he put much thought into it. Yeah. What scares you about raising girls? Like Social you? media. Mm. Yeah, that scares the shit out of me as well. Particularly, and I'll tell you what it is with social media. For me, it's not the it's not the midriff bearing and stuff like that. It's the cutting and the self harm stuff that really scares the shit out of me. 
And for some reason, it's more girls than boys. They seem to be more vulnerable to it. My girl's older, so it, 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 so this is, I think, more specific to her. And she, you know, she, I remember she had a sleepover a year ago or at some point, and, and they were all in the den on the, on, they were all, like, all eight of them were on a couch laying out, and, and I walked by and looked in, and they were all on their phones. Mm. And my daughter was looking around like, why? I mean, somebody talked to me. So she's not, you know, she's not really into it. My bigger concern, again, it, it's so unique given, given my circumstance as a single dad, but my issue is more about being able to provide a mom, you know, kind of a mother's touch or a mother's sensibility or perspective to her life as a young woman growing up. And, um, you know, look, I feel like I do a, a fine job and I, you know, I, I, I give her a, a lot of attention, a lot of loving attention. And, uh, you know, when she needs it and when she doesn't leave it, I, I need it. But, uh, and I, and I try to make myself super available, but I does it no matter how I might try, <laughs> not a woman. And I don't have that, those sensibilities, right. Nor perspective, no real perspective on, on things. So that concerns me. Then also the fact that she has lost her mom, I don't, and it's not really manifest itself. I don't know how, what, you know, that's going to come out at some point. How did, how did she not get into the social media thing that she's had a phone, I'm assuming? I don't know. She's all, she's had a phone early on. And I honestly, I, if you held a gun to my head, I guess maybe I could come up with something, but I don't know. Cause I never, ever, ever once forbade her from, you know, getting on Instagram or Snapchat or any of those, uh, you know, platforms, I, she just never chose to, to really engage in those. I mean, she's on TikTok for sure, but it's mostly just to consume. It wasn't intentional on my part or my wife's part to keep her away from social media. So I don't know where that came from. I think, I think you're lucky. And I, I do agree with you. I know, I know kids, you know, siblings that were raised in exactly the same household and one is couldn't cannot get off her phone and is obsessed with Instagram and the other one is just really uses it just to communicate with people. Yeah. Or who knows? Who knows? They maybe they're just wired differently. John, you're smiling. Which one is you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm slightly older than that. I was the one who got a I borrowed my mom's cell phone to go out at night. So that's how I there was one cell phone in the family and then you know, everybody knew my mom's cell phone number because it was the only one we had. This is Three's Company with Kamna, and we're talking to John and Eric about raising daughters. Coming up, a topic that will breed fear into the heart of the most intrepid father, sex and dating. Stay tuned. Um, let's talk about relationships for a second. Well, let's, let's talk about marriage. Is, oh, honey, someday you have to find a partner, man, woman, and you know you probably have kids. Is that is that a dialogue that you're having? Is that something that? Hell no. Really? Why? Nope. But these they're going to get hormones. They're going to fall in love with someone. They're going to have their heart broken. I don't need to explain to them that that's going to happen. What about you, Eric? I'm thinking about that. Yeah, no, it's not a it's not a dialogue I'm having yet, but it is a dialogue that I I look forward to having. I I, I um. I, I honestly can't wait to get out of the boyfriend. No, 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 no. <laughs> you know, every dad's little like. Oh, I, I, you know what? I'm gonna. I, I hope my daughter's not listening. But I'm like a freak about that. I don't. I'm. I'm excited about her dating, and I'm excited about her going. Through. It was so much fun. How much fun was dating at that age? And you know, I, I and I think what what I'm gonna do differently is just tell her how shitty boys are. <laughs> 
and what they really want and they just want yep. to fuck and, and that's fine. And guess what? Do it on your terms. Enjoy it. Go have as much sex as you want, but on your terms. And, you know, here is a 14 tons of condoms um, and be thought and be smart, uh, be uh, smart and thoughtful uh, and just do it on your terms and don't get caught up. And I, I just can't wait to have that conversation with her. I'm not going to, it's not, it's the opposite. I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't I'm not going to discourage her from doing it. I mean, it was fun. It was, it was a part of her growing up. It was fantastic. And why, and, and I don't, I don't understand why she shouldn't enjoy that as much as I did. And I imagine as much as her mom did, not that we talked about it, but you know, her mom came out just fine and I'm sure she had a good time too. So I don't know. I think I have a different approach. You must take prodigious amounts of Zoloft. <laughs> and, and if so, you have to tell me what dosage gets you to that level of comfort. Yeah, because I would put, I would put John. Knowing both of you, I would put John on the other extreme. <laughs> I'm homeschooling her until she's thirty. <laughs> I look. I'm like you. I'm like this is a natural part of life. It's fun, but you have to know what you're going into. Yeah. But so my dad, he he would actually really enjoy scaring the shit out of the guys that I was dating or that he dared to show up at the door or who'd call. My favorite was my dad had a like a really big vintage car, so everybody in the city knew him. And so what he did once, I brought home my boyfriend and a friend. So he looked at the other guy and he's like, I like you, you can drive my car. <laughs> <laughs> he would enjoy playing games with them just to see if they had the muscle to kind of stick yeah. it up and all of that. And you know, it was actually, it was fun for me as well. And they, I mean, they, they knew it was all in good humor and stuff like that. But yes, I think ultimately the one thing he did for us that was really good. And keep in mind, this is like Bombay in the 90s and not very different today. But he would say, bring it home whatever you want to do, bring it home. Because being out, a girl being in a car, making out with a boy in India means if a cop knocks on your door, you're likely going to get raped by that policeman. Like that's how bad it was. So that's why he would, he looked at us, two daughters, and he was like, whichever moron it has to be, bring it home. Mm. Which I thought just empowered us a lot to make the decisions and to tell them, you know, we knew we could tell them anything which was really, really valuable. I mean, yes, it was a very liberal family to begin with, but very rare amongst Indian families. And from what I can tell, many families around the world. You know, Kamna, when you were an infant, there was this pop star named Madonna. Yeah, I heard of her. Yeah, she might be a personal hero of yours. She kind of is. Um, and growing up as a boy, I think it was fascinating to see her because this was the first image of a sexually liberated woman possibly the only one in my entire childhood that was not normal. I, I think developmentally, I think it was actually pretty good for me as well. The challenge I have now is, and I hate to suggest that Madonna is a role model. I still don't feel like we have great role models of sexually liberated women. I mean, and songs like WAP do not help the situation. <laughs> right. And there I'll, I'll be a middle-aged white man and, and just put that out there. Well, um, it's offensive because it's a woman, because nobody's used to women being that, fucking robot. Yeah, but, but it's crass. It is crass, but there's a, there's a lot of crass stuff out there that's been on, top, on the top of the charts. It's just in male voices. Yeah, it's probably a hypocritical statement for me, but, you know, trying to get back to Eric's point, I would, I would welcome, gosh, I don't know how to put this, like, I want my, my girls to grow up and understand that the points he made, like, you know, you should be having sex on your terms and there's nothing wrong with it. The problem is, is, you know, there are no role models. There, there is no one in society to point to. Um, you know, you can point to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but not for that. 
there there are role models out there. The question is, when are you going to put them in front of your kids? And then look, that's your value system. Mine is, like I said, I'm one of the few parents like you, Eric, that's not afraid of the birds and the bees conversation. In fact, I had to have it very quickly when our male dog was trying to get on with a female dog. I was like, everybody stop. Let me explain this to you really quickly. And then now we know what's going on. <laughs> I'm so happy to have it in a, in a more, you know, in a more appropriate context. Did, did you restrain the dogs while you were explaining it? I actually did. You cock blocked a dog. That's amazing. And mostly because, by the way, the male dog is mine, but that female, we need consent from the female. <laughs> yeah, I'm even, I'm even taking over the animal kingdom, one, one blue ball dog at a time. <laughs> Let me ask you this. Do you ever wish you had had a boy or boys and why? No. Yes. Okay. And that's the, both fair, both fair answers. How do you explain to your American daughters, America has not yet had a female at the number one leadership spot. Because it scares old white men. That's fair. I think that's a pretty good explanation. It's not dissimilar to race, racial issues. Yeah. I was talking to my aunt, who is 80, who lives in New Orleans. And we were, and I'm buying my grandmother's plot of land, which is as big as my closet, though. Um, her house was destroyed uh, uh, during Katrina. And I was talking to her about the property and I was asking her, well, how did grandmother, we called her grandmother, how did grandmother buy a house back then so long ago? And she said, well, it wasn't a lot of money and she, my grandmother was a, a, a housekeeper for, for the white family and kept their kids and whatnot. So she had a little bit of money from that. And she said to me that she remembers the particulars around it because her husband, who wasn't her husband at that point, had to go sign the papers for her, for her mom to buy the house because women were not allowed to purchase property back then. And on and on and on, they couldn't vote, they couldn't do a lot of things. And women were treated a certain way and were, not, and were held in such low esteem that fast forward to, you know, to today, things are much different and, you know, and, 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 but if you think about it, how many, everything we talk about in tech is about you know, empowering women, investing in women, giving money to women. Um, so why that's an issue because uh, because prior to that there was no you know there was no real effort there's no real um, in, uh, women weren't allowed to have a significant impact and so it's just a matter of time that it changes and it's changing right now but it, it's just what it, it has been that way in America forever and it continues to be that way and you know it's changing but it was just horrible long ago and it continues to be that way. Right. I hate to say it but I think the American voting populace is more scared of women than any other group. We had, we had Barack. Yeah, Hussein. Um, yeah, Barack Hussein we had. I just think women are terribly threatening. Uplifting question. And you mentioned Madonna as a role model. So who do you think that should be role models for your girls? Who would you, who would you stir them to? You both have tremendous influence on your, on your daughters. Who are you steering them towards? Gaga. Why? Born this way. It really? Yeah, I mean, look, look, she's 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 not stellar looking let's be honest she's right. got a butterface she's a talented musician yeah she clearly seems to live life on her own terms she seems to eschew sexual objectification i mean being in a bacon dress is not like walking out on stage in a in a bikini which she's done by the way yeah, but it's not her thing. Yes, I agree. Her her thing is not the nudity. It's the what's the word? The the flamboyance of the of the costume or the experience. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then and then the music. I mean, I, I find nothing objectionable at the music. 
Born This Way, I think, is a phenomenal song for little girls to hear. My daughter loves it. I, I think she's probably as close to Madonna as you come, you know, with the sexualization dialed down a bit. And, and, the, and the general psychosis. Crazy. I think she's fantastic and definitely a role model because she had to stand up and break barriers left, right and center. And she did it in her she did it in her own way. Like I said, I'm also, as you know me, a little prone to the extreme because I feel like that's how like we need to balance it out somehow. Um, Eric, what about you? That's a great one, by the way, John. I, I see it. I see it. I approve. Thank you. All right, Eric. Don't don't say Nicki Minaj. <laughs> <laughs> We've actually printed out the words to WAP and it's hanging on the wall here. So I made I made her memorize it. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, uh, I, I don't have, I, I have a boring answer, I think. Certainly not as exciting as, as, uh, as Gaga. Along the same lines, Stacey Abrams. And I'll tell you why. What I like about who she is or how she is, despite all those obvious things about her being phenomenally bright and insightful and caring and passionate about things that really matter, she does not epitomize beauty, right? So she's she's larger framed, she's dark complected, her hair is not flowing long and flowing and beautiful. It's short and natural, and most people are not gonna put her up as a standard of beauty. And yet she is extremely well uh, received, well liked, well respected, was a short was on the short list of potential vice presidential candidates. Uh, and I think for those reasons, I, 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 she, I, I like the idea that she can be all those things and not, you know, it's not about those superficial, you know, how she dresses or how she looks. Then I'll say the, the, the woman I miss the most is Michelle Obama. Oh, yeah. She was just an absolute class act. No, that's true. And I, I know, can I say this? The, the one thing that I wish more girls and women had have is the ability not to take themselves so seriously. Mm. which is something that I try and instill in my kids all the time. I make fun of them all the time. And John is familiar with my particular school of parenting. <laughs> but I think you have to be able to laugh at yourself because that's what's going to get you through some of those tough moments of somebody didn't like my hair or somebody didn't like my face or whatever. Yep. That's Eric's resilience point. All right, boys. Thank you so much for being with me to talk about this beautiful, I think beautiful topic. There's nothing more what heartwarming for me than the bond between fathers and daughters and i ask you guys to both be on here because i know yours are particularly strong so thank you yeah so i thought when you first brought this up I, for whatever reason knowing you i thought for sure we'd be talking about something racy and sex sexy and you sound very disappointed okay hang on let me switch off the recording <laughs> i was scared too and that's it for this episode Follow Kamna Live on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and at www.kamnalive for more updates on the following episodes. Thank you for listening.